Good evening, Patriots. And it is Monday, April 18th in the year 2022. I think right now, more than ever, we are all faced with just a lot of weight on all of us. And there's a few things that we have to remember in all of this, that not to take life too seriously and definitely not to forget to laugh. But to get there, sometimes we have to walk a difficult path. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Before we begin, you need to really take care of your immune system and keep your body strong. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune system strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. It's really kind of an interesting world we're in right now. And it's showing its stresses as things kind of unravel. Let me give you a couple examples. If I was to, in a crowd of good people, used the F-bomb, people would probably begin to pray for me and reprimand me for using such a word. If I used the word shit, for example, I'd be reprimanded for sure, but maybe not so much on the prayers this time. If I was to talk about the vax, People will talk about how difficult life is and how painful it would be that they can't talk about it, talk about these things for their friends and family. And if I was to talk about famine, I'd probably get something like, are you really sure it's that bad? Which I get anyway. My point is that we, we tend to react on the things that... <clears throat> When we get to substantive things right now in our lives, and the reason I use those examples is we use a curse word and it becomes a whole prayer ritual. We talk about the things like famine, which should be the biggest crisis you are facing in our world, and people click into denial. You talk about the vax, and we don't want to get into the nitty-gritty about how many people took it and how much, but instead we want to talk about our personal pain. We've kind of got things upside down right now. And a lot of it, I'm pretty sure, is because we're, we're dealing a lot with the stresses of life. And people are clinging on to those things that are convenient and familiar and familiar to react to. And this is kind of a, for me, it's, it's a, when I'm in this world that we're walking in right now, it's starting to get more and more comical. And I mean that in both a funny and a dark funny way. To appreciate that, you have to really have walked in some of my shoes, and I'm not asking anybody to do it. But, you know, I've talked many times about Afghanistan, and I I don't bring those stories up to glorify war nor to glorify anything I've done, but to put things in some personal perspectives about what's truly dramatic and traumatic. I can also talk about getting thrown in jail for 20 days. And so I'm going to touch on a couple of those things tonight because I want you to hear life a little bit from my perspective and my relationship with Jesus because it's personal 
and it's real to me. And it's mine, unique. I'm not saying it's anybody else's the same. But it, what's, it's what gives me the comfort to kind of flow through things. And I can be sarcastic at times. I'm comfortable with my relationship with God. I can be me. You know, I can tell you that I just know me. So I'm just telling you right now. I can just give you a scenario that doesn't even exist. But just imagine the story that we're all in heaven together. And we're all listening to God. And we're all there. People are bowing and humming. And I'm going to be, I swear, I'll be the guy in the back road asking if I can use the espresso machine up by his up by his throne. And I'll be the guy jumping in the back going, hey, God, can I be that, Can after I get my espresso, can I start kicking some tail down on the elevator down to hell, down to the lake of fire? Because that's me. And I, I tell you that because I'm comfortable like that with my relationship with Jesus and with Father. And he knows me. And I get rebuked. I got rebuked the other day. And I truly mean this. I got rebuked by Christ by something I said. And it was, I go, okay. And in the, and, but the thing is the rebuke is it was a gentle rebuke to remind me of the power he has. And I, I respected that, but it also an opportunity to share my heart, to express like, this is how I meant it. And he understood, but he wanted to remind me that, look, you know, I'm, I'm Jesus and I'm not going to be mistaken. And I'm, I, I got that one. No kidding. Okay. I, I love my walk with Jesus. I love my walk with father and I truly, it gives me unbelievable joy, but how I got here has not been an easy walk. You know, Afghanistan was an eye opening whirlwind of events three and a half years didn't seem like three and a half years and it was costly it cost me an eight-year relationship it cost me a lot of time away from my family and it, it just cost a lot of things personal over time in being there it transforms you, it transformed me, but I would never do it any other way. You get used to living in a world where you're a foreigner and you're accepted as a foreigner. You get used to living in a world where death is a regular thing. Ramp ceremonies, which is the procedure of putting a, a, foreign, a soldier in a casket with his country's flag on them and putting them on the back of a plane, they're not rare things, they're just like regular events. It's, and I, I'm not belittling it when I say it. it's almost like, what are we doing tonight? Well, we got another ramp ceremony. Okay, let's go. I mean, it's that sort of event sometimes. Sometimes there's none. Sometimes there's 30 or 40. And one summer, the first summer I was there in Afghanistan, I was there for about 30 of them. When you, I've used this expression before, and I'm, I'm literally not kidding about this. So I'm going to tell the story. In the in July, I went into I was attached with the Canadians, one Al Acoy PPCLI, which is Princess Patricia's, Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry, and we went into Panjue. And Panjue was an absolute mess. They were fighting like crazy, and we got met. We were in the back of armored personnel carriers. And the armored personnel carrier I was in, the air conditioning unit had broken. And so it was about 110 degrees outside at night. Maybe 100, so it was kind of, but it was a hot, typical Afghanistan summer in the desert. And we came under fire for about three or four hours. And in that three or four hours, the entire Hatches had to be buckled down, and there was no air conditioning. Inside of that metal box, it was, a, it was approximately 120 to 125 degrees. And we had to sit still with our full kit on. We couldn't move about. And we were in a basically a sauna at that temperature for about four hours. 
And it got to the point where you get to a point where you think you might even just lose your mind. And it's that hot. You're so hot. You're, you're, you're sweating. There's not a thing on your body that isn't soaked. And when those doors finally crack open and they finally did, it was a daybreak. Um, you step out and it's that crack of fresh air. I mean, you, you just, you feel freed like you can never describe it. And so we walked into a little village and I came back around and somewhere in there, in that process, I stepped down into a, when I've mentioned this before, and I'm not kidding, I stepped into a pile of goo and I realized what I'd stepped in had been a Taliban fighter. He had stood up with his AK and decided to fight the armored personnel carrier called a LAV light vehicle. And he got melted with a 20 millimeter round. That squish of goo doesn't really leave you ever from the odor to the experience, to the experience. And you can let it be a haunting memory or at the end of the day, you just kind of laugh at how ridiculous and how stupid we are. And I mean that because it's bold, dumb courage to run out in front of a cannon with a plinking toy called an AK-47 and think you're going to make any difference. It's a suicide mission and to get incinerated. And there was no reason to do it other than just to be bold, heroic, and dumb. Because it wasn't like it was his last stand. You run into a lot of those situations in war. Some are painful to watch. A young girl up in, it was up in a place called Aruzagan, a little village. And there was Fob Cobra just outside of that, which is where I was with the special forces team. And then we went from there out into the valley and they set up what was called a medcap. And a medcap is a medical mission where the special forces medics set up a station to where villagers can come in and bring their children and bring their families. They can get a checkup. They can get vitamins. Sometimes they'll get shots. Sometimes they can do some basic surgery there if they need to, like stitch up a cut or something like that. The special forces medics are equipped literally to do just about anything. They're that well trained. As one of my buddies I've mentioned before, in part of his training, was trained to do a quadruple bypass on a pig. This is how they trained him. He did a quadruple bypass on a pig at 30,000 feet with an oxygen mask. That was part of his training because they had to know how to stabilize a patient like one of their own if they had been severely injured. So their training is immense. They're, they're, they're some of the finest trained medics, medicine people in the, in the country. And this family brought in this young girl and her eyes were pasted open. I don't know how, um, how they weren't even, they were still functioning. And she had gone crazy because her eyes were frozen open and the family had to put a towel over her face at night so she could sleep, but her eyes were still open. And she was scarred all over because she had fallen into a pot of boiling hot water. At least that's what they said. These are the, some of the dark parts, right? Or the cave that we found just north of that village that you literally had to crawl through a hole about two feet wide, face first, and, you, and then you fall deep into this cave. And at the bottom of the cave, it's a deep, heavy powder. And under the powder are mines and grenades. And it was a weapons cache. And you have to make a decision if you're going to actually go there. And you, and when you get to those places, you just commit. It's a, it's a letting go of what you value because you, you turn into God to trust. And even no matter how you articulate God, you put your, you put a faith into things that are bigger than you. We ran into an IED. It was a double stack anti-tank mine um, out in similar area where I'd just been, where I was just talking about with a special forces team. 
and my mission, as I always saw it, was to tell their story. And this was, and that meant go where they go, no matter what. So one of the guys, the rest of the team was holding back, and one of the guys was clearing the mine. So I stood up with him, and I filmed him. And he was probing it with a screwdriver, which is a technique. And I remember asking him, I said, uh, you think it's, you think you're going you to you're gonna be okay with this? And he's like, well, I think we'll be okay, as he sticks the mine with a screwdriver. There's a certain comedy and insanity that you're living in constantly in a war zone. That everything you do one way or another has an immediate consequence of life or death. And you get accustomed to that. And when you get accustomed to that sort of living, you let go of your silly little notions of what life is. You let go of the sort of formations of what people say or don't say. You don't get triggered easily. And you learn to appreciate people at a completely different level. You'll have somebody who is, you might have somebody who's very by the book scriptural and you might have somebody else who's just a, a swears like a sailor <clears throat> and they're going to get along like brothers and they're going to respect each other like brothers. And that's war. That's the incredible thing about war in a very positive sense because it tears down all of what we think we are and it puts out the very truth of who we really are. When, when I was in Montana in August of 2017, and on, and I've told this story. This is my story from episode 64. If you're new to the channel, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna gloss over it a little bit more tonight, but that's more in depth. And I did a video which was called "We're Going to War," and I did that on a Friday. And by Saturday night, it had done, I did it on Friday night, and by Saturday or Sunday night, it had achieved 150,000, 110,000 views, something like that, on, on Facebook. And it had gone viral. And in that video, I had mapped out many of the things we talk about today, but it was fairly new that I had mapped out a way that we were going to share intelligence and set up local activist cells and start digging in and finding out who these people were in our city councils and our county commissions. And we were going to use that intelligence and share it with one another to expose them and identify who they were um, and who is really funding them. At the same time, I was making quite a stir about a DA in Colorado. So long story short, a week later at a hotel room, as I was traveling across country, I was greeted by a U.S. Marshal that had a warrant for my arrest. There's no direct correlation on paper between that video and that other than a, a very unique timing of things. And I got, ended up getting thrown in jail for 20 days. And that's a real headbender. A real headbender when you walk into a place you've never been you have no idea if you're ever going to get out. And I mean this. So it's very much when I, you hear about the January 6th guys, I have a lot of deep empathy for where they're at because once they throw you into jail, they can keep you as long as they want. And I was to be transported to Denver and they could take as long as they wanted. There was no time limit. There was no navigation of this. I had never had any run-in with the law. And I was in jail with some pretty gnarly people. It's also where God spoke to me the most. And it's where I found a relationship in God and a relationship that other people had with God in a way greater than I'd ever seen anywhere on the face of the earth. So you have to let go a lot of who you are. You have to crush your ego. You have to tolerate more. In an environment like jail, like an environment in war, when you start letting your ego get in the way, 
somebody's usually there to crush it. And they'll crush it pretty hard. And the consequences can be pretty severe. While I was in jail, there was a kid that just couldn't stop running his mouth and couldn't put his ego in check. And he got silenced. And it was pretty humbling to see how, I mean, literally when you see a human being choked out so much that they lose their bowel movements and all their veins in their eyes rupture, um, it was no joke. They wanted to kill him by the luck of a, by his, the luck he had of a guard taking attention to it. He survived. But to see it, it, the consequences there, the, the balancing of the, of the equation, so to speak, the fact that he had been, he was wrapped with his ego was more important than the consequences that would come of being thrown in the hole for 20 days, which is what was the punishment for the guy that tried to beat him up or kill him, actually. But the point is on both of those environments, there's a very deep deep commonality. There is a very real sense of life and death. And in this world, there isn't. In the world that we live in here, people live in an illusion that there isn't. In fact, life and death is a choice. You can murder your child and get away with it through an abortion. You can decide to kill yourself in suicide, and it's a choice, and no one's going to stop you, at least unless you call for help. And there's an idea that we can stroll down to the park and go shopping, and everything's going to be fine, and we don't think twice about personal security. That's a far cry from Afghanistan where every time you step in a vehicle, you're saying your prayers and you're conscious of the fact that when you go outside that gate, you may never come back. Whether it's an IED, whether it's someone trying to shoot up your vehicle, whether it's a police officer, a dirty cop pulling you over and going to try to take your money and kill you if you don't give it. These are real issues. Um, and so I, I say all this because as a nation right now, we're under the state of war and yet people tend to be very delicate right now. They want to be very careful. If someone says the wrong word, they get triggered. If someone starts out with great research like Dr. Artis last, last week and one, And because it was introduced with the term watch the water, an entire movement of researchers known as Q and anons completely lose their mind because they didn't hear it the way they needed to hear it. They're triggered. They're, they're delicate. They won't admit to it, but they're delicate. They couldn't make it in a combat zone for probably more than five minutes and they'd be peeing their pants and crying for their mother. And I'd have no mercy. I'd just kick him in the face and keep moving. Just understand that, because I would, because they're a liability. In the state of war, things are very real, and consequences are real. And so on, like here on this channel, and, I, and a lot of this comes up just because of the state of things right now, and I've just noticed a lot of ease, things or tensions are building, and people are getting real edgy, And people don't want to hear any more changes to the plan, so to speak. But life's going to get a lot worse. One way or another, it's going to have to get worse because this cabal that's here has to be rooted out. And I'm one that as things get worse, I, I hate to say this, but most of the time I feel more comfortable. because it's. And I say that because as things start to get out of hand, Really what you're seeing is the true state of things. It's not that I don't enjoy stability, because we all do. But as things get out of hand, you start to see the true nature of people. And you start to see the true nature of systems. And what I can't stand are liars. And I also, I can't stand people that are phony. And I can't stand 
people that are willfully ignorant. Those are problems in a world right now. And people want to fall into those places because it's safe. This is the only war, at least that we have documented, where people can feel safe and kill themselves with a smile. All they have to do is take a shot. It's the only war that I've known of that people can feel safe in the arms of the enemy because they're told how to think and they believe it. This is the only war I know where people will invent a boogeyman because they're told to invent it. They'll believe it. They'll change their entire life over it. And they'll destroy themselves over it and not a single shot would be fired. This is the only war I've ever known where people are better armed than the military to a large degree. And they are so confused about what to do. They don't know if to pick up a gun or if to cry or if to comply. And most of this comes from, in my opinion, a world that has become entirely saturated with everything it wants, a fast food culture mentality that everything is quick and easy, that they want it now. And even when they seek to God, they want the relationship with God now and they want God to deliver now. So when things start to shake, you find people get triggered on easily easy things. I know that every night when I get on this show, And I know this for a fact, that if I say the wrong word, someone's going to get triggered. And my goal every night is to reach as many people as I can, not just because I want it, but I know that that's what God's wish is. Because every show I pray on before the show, every show after the show, I pray on it. And I know what God is asking me to do. And in the process, we've built an amazing community of people that have come out here together to listen. But the burden is there that there are many out there that are easily triggered. And we have to get past that. I go back to that example. In a place of war, you can have the guy that swears like a sailor and a guy that that is textbook scriptural, and they will get along brilliantly. Because when it comes to mission, there's only one thing they need to know. Will you cover my back and will you cover my six? And once that's established... That's the relationship that counts because that's the real nature, the real person within. The rest of the stuff, it takes a little time. And I've seen it happen. I've seen one of my closest friends, if not my closest friend, he's a brother. And he, he and I have spent time in church together. We've, read, we've spent hours talking scripture and we've spent time in the worst parts of the world together. And we have other people around us that are not that way at all. And yet some are coming this way now to accepting God in big ways. And it's wonderful to see. But there's never been a judgment on that place because the mission and the purpose of our mission was bigger than that. All of us have a very big mission right now. And as hard as it is to walk in this world at times with people that are non-believers, The fact is that when it comes down to it, we have to build bridges in ways that are difficult sometimes, and we have to not get easily tripped up over little words and things that they say. Because what this fight is involving all of us, and the worst part about this fight is we have a bunch of criminal liars. They're criminal cabal, and they're liars that are willfully and intentionally trying to start prepare for a starvation of this public after they've already injected this public with a bioweapon. And they all know it, that are in leadership. They know what they've done. Every one of them needs, needs a noose. But we can't get to that pro- part of the problem yet. We have to get to the first part of the problem, which is repair the damage of of lack of unity and start building bridges again in our neighborhood. And that's with all the hostility and all the propaganda and all the other garbage we have to deal with, we have to find our way through that. That makes each and every one of us that's in a community trying to do that 
the equivalent of a special forces operator. And with that, you better have a good sense of humor. And you better be able to put your foot in a pile of goo and still remember the smell 20 years later. Not quite, I guess it'd be 16 years later. And be able to laugh about it. Because that's the real part of life. Life is that insane. And it's that crazy. So when we start to look at people and looking at who they are, I'm, I have no room for a pedophile. And I'm not going to make any excuses for that. I've said before that what a person does in their bedroom is between them and God. You bring it into the public space and you try to make it my problem, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have something to say. That goes then with everybody on the rainbow flag. Coalition. You think it's okay to abort a baby? I'd probably punch you in the face if you said it. So, and for those women that get offended by that because they want to say it's my body, my choice. No, it's not. You're part of a one body of Christ and you were given a gift by God to bear children into this world. So do the damn job and quit trying to find a way to spread your legs and have joy and get pregnant. So we have to get to a point where we can speak harsh truth. We can also laugh a little bit, not get triggered by a lot of stuff. But all of this for me centers around a single issue. And I will tell you this, that even as I said those words right then, all of those words and this entire thing, half of my, part of my mind is talking to God constantly, checking in. Father, is this okay? Are you okay with this? I never stopped talking to God. And I learned that lesson when you do. And when you do, it's, you, get, you run off the edge of things. I own what I say, and I put it before God to be held accountable for what I say. But I equally listen to God to guide me in all things. When we break from that sort of relationship, and I'm in no way putting myself on a pedestal, but I can say from my own experience, when we break from that, that type of connection, we start to get wrapped around stupid things. We start to get triggered over some little thing somebody says. We'll cast off a whole relationship because we heard a word we didn't like. That's not faith. That's weakness in faith. That's not being obedient to God. That's being selfish and stupid. And sometimes it's just that we're stupid. And we have to admit it. I tell myself sometimes, I did it over, over the weekend. I did something. I was like, man, I just thought it was seriously stupid. And I did it. I even said that in front of other people. Like, that's how stupid I just was. I don't have a problem calling myself that. The world that I was in, and actually the world that I grew up in, is a world of extreme performance. I was very fortunate when I grew up, to have a father that was demanded perfection in a good way, not abusive by any means, but it showed me how to always seek perfection. When I got into my high school sports, I had a former Olympian who was my coach that led me through wrestling and taught me to push beyond my limits. When I trained at my wrestling camps in the summer, I trained with Olympians because that's the straw I drew, and it was another level. When I was in at Oregon State and I rode crew, we performed to a level to be national champions. And then when I got invited to join the Canadian gold medal team to row with them, again, you're at another level. When I trained martial arts for 10 years and became one of the best young black belts in the association, again, it was to work under the Grandmaster Chun Li was part of accomplishing and going to another level. When I 
learn photography. I learned from a Pulitzer Prize winner, two-time Pulitzer Prize winner, and you learn what it takes to go to another level. Everything I've done has always been about going to another level. So I don't know any other way. When I worked with special operations in that community, you always had to go to another level or you just didn't stay. That's just the world. So there is no room for mediocrity. And within that world, you are you better learn how to get on with some pretty eclectic people because everybody there is pretty much a personality type. And they're going to say what they say and they're going to do what they do within the parameters of their mission. And you have to get some pretty thick skin and you better be on your toes and know your game, know what you're doing. Because there's no room for weakness. There's no room for average. And there sure as heck isn't any room for triggered. And you have to know the camaraderie and the brotherhood that comes from that and what it takes. When a pistol got stolen out of a vehicle when we were in, in Kabul, a soldier's career was on the line. He was an Air Force Special Operations and a Navy SEAL both. Their career was both on the line. The Navy SEAL was guarding the vehicle and the, and the weapon was stolen. Unbeknownst to him, they had managed to unlock the vehicle and the Air Force Special Operations man, guy had left his pistol on the seat of the vehicle. There was nothing legally illegal by the rules that was done, but the consequence of what have happened put two careers at risk, a SEAL Team 6 Navy SEAL and an Air Force Special Operations. And when the colonel called me and said, what do you know? And I said, I think I can find it. And he said, you have all the authorities, go, but go here and do these things for me as well. You do whatever you have to do, not because I want any credit, because I didn't get any. You do it because those two men's lives, their career is on stake because two stupid kids managed to slip their hand into the back of the seat and grab a pistol and was going to sacrifice the careers of two people because they were delinquents. So you do what you do. And I take, took whatever risk I had to take. And in the end, that pistol was returned 26 hours later. And I never asked why there was one round missing. The real world is a lot harsher than we understand. And the only way that you ever get through it is to learn to build a very intimate relationship with God. It isn't going to be a life that on these other edges where people walk a pristine life. When people have called me and they've said to me, Scott, I don't know if I'll ever be forgiven for what I've done. This has always been my response. Yes, you will. And we will walk it together because I will never leave your side. So, in this war that we're in, which is very real, and it's very viscerally real to me, and it, I can't tell you the feeling it leaves in me when I see my government manipulating things to try to starve my fellow Americans. And because it's not a declared war, I can't lock and load and go work with some guys I know to clean house, though we'd like to because most Americans aren't ready for that reality yet. But I will fight for you. I will fight for my family. I will fight for my fellow Americans that I don't know, because that's who we are. And that's what war is about. So in all of this, in all of this time, Take time to laugh a little. Don't get too serious about things. Don't let, don't sweat the small stuff. Focus on the details that are important. Don't get your feathers ruffled over little words and things. 
Because in the end of the day, I really don't think God's going to have a big twist up over a few little things you said. I know what God would probably have a big twist up on is if you didn't get to know him. That probably wouldn't be a good thing. But get to know God so that he knows you. Get to know God so that he knows your name. And when he knows your name and he knows who you are, I think we all start to discover who we really are. John 8.32 And you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. Let's pray. Father, come to you tonight just with a very open and honest heart. And I just thank you for this evening just to guide me to this story. And hopefully others can hear it. The path that I have walked, Father, has been blessed and difficult, lonely and full. And I would not change a thing, for you have gifted me the opportunity to get to know you in a way that I could never have imagined, and I am truly thankful for that. Tonight, my prayers, which are for, I hope, are shared by all, is that Everyone can build that close and intimate relationship with you. Just to know that you're there. To know that you're always there. To know that no matter how tough things get, no matter how crazy and upside down things get, it's really not a big deal in the bigger issue of things. Because when we walk with you, it's a fearless walk. And to know at the same time that we have with us our Savior, Jesus, whose hand is on our shoulder anytime we need it, whose banner is above us anytime we need to look up. We have truly blessed. And when we keep those things in mind, things get pretty easy, sometimes a little crazy. And always, when we need to, there's plenty of room to laugh. So thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And in Christ's name, amen. So there's three terms in the military worth keeping in mind. Snafu, tarfu, and fubar. Snafu, situation normal, all effed up. Tarfu, totally and royally effed up. Fubar, effed up all, effed up beyond all repair. So here's the deal, and it's pretty easy. We've been walking in snafu, situation normal, all effed up. We're, we've, since Biden took office, it's merging on Tarfu. Totally and royally effed up. Where they're taking us, they want us to go to FUBAR. Effed up beyond all repair. Now, for those that aren't taking time to prepare and grow a garden, you're going to be in a FEMA camp looking for food, and it's probably going to be pretty much FUBAR. For the rest of us, there's going to be a phase where everything's going to be kind of tarfu, but let's try to keep it to snafu at least. Is that at least then that's pretty much human. Situation normal, all effed up. We're good. And when we hang there, I think that's pretty much where God about expects us to be anyway, because we're human. So let's keep it there. All right, pa patriots. We have a blessed evening. Thanks for listening. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Use your prayers all the time and I not knowing who's who in this in this comment just hear me I just hope for everyone that you have a close and intimate and active relationship with Father and with Jesus God is with us he'll never forsake us and in the end God will always win 
but we have to all know in our hearts that we are here in this time in this place for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Space between us will stay the same.